0: Hit it.
1: The Book Guys Show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca/slash Audible and get a free book just for trying them out for one month. Uh, Ah, in our second year, this is The Book Guys Show. My name is Paul Alves, also known as Paul the Book Guy. Joined as always by Sir Chili and Professor Alan.
0: I like that uh, Scott Brick impression you started off the show with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. I try my best. Uh, how you guys doing? How is Sir Jimmy and Professor Allen?
2: Hey, very Jimmy's good. great.
1: Jimmy's very great. good. Jimmy, uh, you're in the backyard today?
2: I'm actually uh, at the very edge of the garage here. Our power went out, and we, uh, I had some things I needed to get cooked, and... I realize I have a side burner on the grill that's never been used, so I'm out here doing a little bit of uh, experimentation with some fried foods from the garden.
1: That's right. For our new podcast, Fried and Baked. That's it. (laughs) We'll be recording our first few episodes today, or first episode at least, anyways. And folks, check that out. By the time you hear this, we should have an episode up at (laughs) friedandbaked.com. So Jimmy and I are going to review one fried item and one baked item every week.
2: We're also on Twitter, I think. We, we haven't expired it up, but it's Fried and Baked Show nice. at Twitter.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> Professor Allen, what's new with you, buddy? Oh, not too
0: much. Summer's winded down. Been reading, reading, reading.
1: Me too. Me too. Uh, I know what? I, I gave the comic books a break, but I am, I'm actually starting up a new book. Uh, so, Jimmy, this one was sent to us a little while ago by uh, Jerome Mark Antill, the Pompeii Hollow Book Club.
2: Yeah, I have a. Uh, I've got a Google search that um, it's like an alert that comes up anytime hollow book is mentioned, right. and that came through. And I, I read a little bit about the book, and the author got right back with me. I said, "Hey, you want to come on the show?" So he sent us a, a couple of books. We're going to review it and hopefully get him on the show to talk about it soon.
1: Absolutely, it's a, it looks like an interesting book. Uh, you know, there's some illustrations in it, and actually. Uh, I did find the trailer for the book on YouTube, and I'll post that to the site. But uh, let's take a listen to it right now.
3: He would soon have the daring of Huckleberry Finn. He and his friends had one thing in common. They grew up fast. They had to. Yesterday, December
2: 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan.
3: When the war that he and his friends spent half their lives in finally ended, it was Dale Barber who dreamed up a name for their new club of valor. He stood up on the cemetery stone, raised his arm and announced, ain't a mom in the county would stop us from leaving the house for a club meeting if we were called the Pompey Hollow Book Club. Well, we might stop saying ain't, Mary suggested. Mary was made president. The club found excitement everywhere, whether looking for a group of thieves who had been breaking into local businesses or or saving the poultry from the Thanksgiving table. A heartfelt story about growing up in the shadow of World War II. You may laugh, you may cry, but you'll never put the book down. The Pompeii Hello Book Club by Jerome Mark Antel.
1: Now, I'm looking at the book, and uh, so, Jimmy, I haven't, haven't even read page one yet. Looks intriguing. Uh, short book, big text, um, really nice cover, very clean. And I, it just reminded me that uh, a lot of, some of the books that we review are uh, self-published because we don't discriminate between, you know... Uh, Dick Cheney's, uh, you know, we don't, we don't you know discriminate between Harper Collins or Penguin or just some guy who wrote a really good book and put it on iTunes himself or on uh, Amazon. But a lot of those books, uh, let's say the covers, I don't know if you guys have uh, encountered this, the covers may not be that great.
0: That is one of the, uh, one of the comments you hear most about the, the self pub or the indie pub, that that's a pretty expensive process. And that's one of the first places a and author cuts with they're doing all the
2: financing themselves. Yeah, there, there needs to be a Sir Jeff Smith of book covers.
1: Uh, you know what? There is. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. You know, like we, I'm not that great at making the jingles. So, you know, Sir Jeff Smith, he's fantastic at it. And, and my whole philosophy is, you know, let people who know what they're doing do what they're doing. You know, I try not to uh, mess with the electrical here at the studio. You know, get an electrician in and. Um, you know, if you can't afford a photographer or a um, an illustrator, one of the great ways to do this on the cheap is iStock Photo, and uh, I use them all the time for all the illustrations on the various websites I've made, uh, including for the post printing business and for uh, you know book guys and whatnot for little stock images. And then you don't get sued, you know, because a lot of people go to Google, right? Go to images and they think it's free. <laughs> you know, they, just, they start using these images on their book covers. Uh, if you're an author out there who's doing that, you're going to get sued. Because eventually the guy who took that picture, the guy who took, you know, 30 hours making that illustration, he's going to sue you. And uh, iStockphoto, go to, to bookguys.ca slash photos, and uh, they're now one of our sponsors. And you'll get a deal there up to third off on your first order and various different deals. And select the licensing that makes sense for you as a book, uh, book writer, as an author. Uh, and you can use their images uh, legally. And, uh, you know, depending on what your book's about, you can just type in keywords and find that image that, you know, really works with your book cover. And just, you know, even if you're doing it on the cheap, you can then just have an artist slap, you know, slap your you know, title cover uh, information and, uh, you know, your name on the front. And a good picture really sells a book.
2: That has to be in the top 10 of all-time best unintentional segues. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my students that, you know, when we're doing, you know
0: projects or something like that, just in class, you know, you can grab whatever image or logo or whatever you want to and put it on your project. So, but if you're doing this in the real world, yes. you've got to be careful, make sure you... Uh,
1: Especially, there's so many automatic, uh, automated image searches now, so an artist can, right. can literally sit there and punch, put in their image, upload their image to these services, and that service will find everywhere on the internet that image appears, or any image like it. So they will find who's using their image. And if you've already sold, you know, 80,000 bucks with this guy's image on it, guess what? It's going to cost you a lot more than if you had approached them before.
2: It's their property. It's yeah. like patent trolling.
1: You know, I, I, the only reason they're a sponsor now is because I use them and uh, there's a couple of images I hadn't downloaded. And you, can, you have to download them right away. They don't. It's not like an iCloud thing where you can download them whenever you want. You pay for the image, you get 24 hours to download it as many right. times as you want. And there's a few I hadn't used. I didn't know that was their policy. So I contacted them. They got back to me within an hour and said, "Look, we're going to do this for you. Do, you know, this is not part of our. This is not what we do. But here you go. Uh, we're giving you access to all the images you've ever bought from us for the next uh, 24 hours again." And it was really nice of them because you know, uh, if you if you're using depending on the licensing, I mean, you can pay from like five dollars. Uh, if it's a website image, it's really cheap. If you want a really high res image. Yeah, you can go up to like forty, fifty dollars for one image, but that's cheap. It's a lot cheaper than hiring oh. an artist. A lot of the uh, images are off-putting. You're on going through iTunes authors, please the the cover. It's what sells your book. You know, there's no uh, in iTunes, on, on a bookstore, right? You see the spine, right? If, if you're not displayed uh, with the book facing forward, and uh, the spine is very important, the the title of the book, and then someone pulls it out right away. The cover is really important. What it looks like? Does it look professionally made? Because uh, it just the quality of the book itself has nothing to do with the cover, but people correlate that. I mean, they, they see a really poorly put together cover, and they think uh, this guy really, you know, his writing must be crap as well.
0: I've got to say that to our fellow uh, podcasting buddies as well to get the podcast album art. You know, maybe not necessarily, you know every uh, you know, every new episode with a new piece of art, but just that when you click on it the first time in iTunes, you know, if you get that standard little, uh, you know, uh, Apple-generated symbol there. Right. You know, I'm assuming this is someone who's not putting a lot of effort into
1: their show. Yeah, especially into, with the e-book, in, e-books as well. Show. Same thing with ebooks. I mean, uh, yep, a lot of the way exactly. people, uh, you know, browse through books on iTunes and in, in Kindle format is in a cover view. So you're looking mm-hmm. just at the cover. So if your cover is just a green background with the name of the book, the person's going to buy the book beside yours that has the really cool picture of what they want to read about. You know, if you're in the mystery section, you'll see, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes-like looking character, you know, or a guy slinking through the night, uh, you know, wearing burglar thieves tools and whatnot, you're going to go to that image because uh, it might not be as good a book as the the guy with the green, you know, plain green cover, but you'll buy his instead of the other guy. So you really got to put some effort in the covers. Did you,
2: like you ever see one. somebody on Twitter who has their little picture as the egg
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. Right away, you think exactly it's a robot, you know.
2: <laughs> Speaking of which, that's that's what ours is on Twitter right now. We need to get that pitch for the show <laughs> out.
1: <laughs> One of the problems I find with the podcast on Twitter is, uh, once you submit to iTunes, it's really hard to change anything. Like I think uh, I think our podcast information on iTunes still lists uh, me, Greg, and and Chris Jager, and I'm like, it's really hard to contact them in any way. To talk about podcasting, like Alan, you were saying, they can't put that much uh, staff on free podcasts.
0: <laughs> right, right. We talked about that last week. But but it is true, you know. When a even when a podcast like like this, you know, change hosts or even changes sort of the format, or right. you know, it's very hard to change that. I've noticed. I think at one point it might still be the case that no agenda is still listed in some uh, some searches. You find it under the travel. Was it travel and culture? Right. You know, so when a podcast changes, changes host, changes sort of its its uh topic, you know, there's yeah. really no way it doesn't seem like there's any way to go back and
1: Yeah, you get locked in the that uh, category, yeah. And uh, speaking of podcasts here, why don't we uh, since we're here, let's go podcasts. Why not? Podcasts. We were just talking about, uh, before the show, about the Nerdist podcast. Professor Allen, you were recommending some episodes of it. And uh, we've also, Sir Jimmy and I are fans of Mike and Tom and various other podcasts, including the Nerdist podcast with with Mr. Hardwick. Uh, Very well done. Nerdy podcast, love it. He has great guests on. I mean, we're talking A-list stars in some cases. And uh, they're now on BBC America as an actual TV show. And, uh, folks, check it out on, uh, go to YouTube, go to wherever, uh, you know, if you have BBC America and you have access to previous episodes in your cable box, I know it's hard with these cable boxes to get, you know, access to anything, but, uh, the Nerdist podcast on BBC America, really great. Even his first episode, he had Craig Ferguson on and a couple of surprise guests. Some I mean, of you Doctor Who fans really enjoy the Nerdist podcast, because, uh... Oh,
0: yeah, the audio <laughs> podcast, they've had Matt Smith, they've had, uh, David Tennant, they've had uh, a couple of, uh... You know, uh, uh, events at San Diego Comic Con with with uh, Doctor Who related people, and obviously that that uh, connection they have with BBC America, I think, was spawned by um, by their constant tweeting and talking about uh, about the new uh, the new Who.
1: Yeah, I know Chris is a big uh, Who fan, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so he he gets the all the he gets all the guests that we want. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all they have to do is write a book, That's and right. we'll take them. That's right. And Some uh, people might remember Chris from Web Soup. Hmm, That's right. right. Right.
0: On the E? G4? one of those,
2: yeah. E, AMC, you know, one of those cable shows. And, and what else? He does another uh, talk show on AMC about, uh, I think it's about The Walking Dead. It's called The Talking Dead. That's right. Nice.
1: <laughs> and yeah, there's a bunch of podcasts at Nerdist.com and uh, including the Nerdist podcast proper. They do book reviews and uh, all kinds of other different things, nerdy things on Nerdist.com. And, do they have uh,
0: any podcasts that are about books or talk about comics or anything what? like that? They, they, do mm. have,
1: they do have a comic book podcast, a really good one. Check it out, Nerdist.com. Uh, but they do not have a book-related podcast, so I've tried, hmm. I'm trying to contact uh, the folks at Nerdist and Mr. Hardwick to see if uh, we can join their network. I think we'd be a great fit for them. Just saying.
2: They'd be lucky yeah, to have us. <laughs> they
1: would <laughs> you're damn right I like the
2: way, like the way Sir Jimmy thinks <laughs> that's it man <laughs> He's I got know I'm gumption. lucky to have me
1: so we are we have some guests next week uh, Phil Neisser and Jacob Hess who wrote a great book together and they'll be on there'll be a hoot next week uh, I believe we have Father Robert Ballister returning next week I think so we're gonna do a bunch of book news this week and just talk uh, some, some books and I'll come back next week with Pompeii Hollow Book Club Review and let's Let me do tell this you, oh mm-hmm. sorry yeah
0: no, I was going to say let me tell you what I'm one of the ones I'm reading. Actually, I'm I'm listening to it now. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to mention. It's a it's a non-fiction book about sort of about Superman. It's called uh, Superman The High-Flying History of America's Most Enduring Hero. Now
1: you're and talking it, my uh, language.
0: Yeah, sort of tracing uh tracing uh you know the impact of Superman. I'm about halfway through it into the we're into the 1960s early 70s so they've had the you know the comic book scare of the 1950s when they had to clean everything up, and talking about the, uh, uh, you know, so that that silver age and golden age of comic books.
1: And who's the who's uh, the author?
0: It's by Larry Ty T Y E is his last name.
1: Larry Ty. And who's who's re- uh, okay? That's an audible.
0: The reader is I actually wanted to mention that that the reader is a friend of the show Scott Breck, and oh, so he does a, an awesome job. Of course, one the one drawback to this particular book is as I'm poking around in online to learn a little bit about the book is that it has a ton of illustrations and pictures in it. Oh. So, oh, that's, that's the one time.
1: But you know, one you know, I've time. done this before where I've, I've purchased the physical book and just because I yeah, that, have no sit-down reading time, I've right. then gone to Audible and used my credit to listen to it.
0: But, but yeah, because they've got photos from the 1950s TV show and cartoon, you know, panels from comics and the the uh, the newspaper strips and all of that stuff. So the that's one where the visual, uh, yes. the visual aspect is really.
1: And this one uh, comes in at thirteen hours and fourteen minutes. Wow,
0: yep, it's very good. That's it's a it's in depth. It's covering 70, 70 plus years of just, fictional
1: history. Just because I'm a Superman fan, let's take a listen on Audible.
4: Legend has it that Superman was born under a fiery red sun on the futuristic planet of Krypton in a crystal tower overlooking the Jewel Mountains and the Scarlet Jungle. But the legend has it wrong. In fact, Superman was born under a hazy yellow sun in a gritty Jewish precinct of Cleveland, two blocks from the Hebrew Orthodox Old Age home and down the street from Glenville High. Just ask Jerry Siegel. He is the one who brought him to life, there in the throes of the Great Depression. Jerry Siegel happened to have been born in a gritty Jewish precinct of Cleveland, too, in 1914. And being Jerry never was easy. His trouble began in first grade. The stubby six-year-old had proudly memorized the rules for asking to pee. You raised your hand, and the teacher acknowledged you and said it was okay to go to the bathroom. The boy behind him did it. A pigtailed girl followed, but there was no reply when Jerry raised his hand. Finally, the teacher turned his way. What do you want? He told her. No, she said. Maybe she thought he was faking. Maybe it was that he was short, shy, wore glasses, and was the child not of refined German Jews, but of unwashed immigrants from Eastern Europe. Whatever the reason, his bladder swelled, and a puddle formed under his seat. With other children pointing, the teacher descended. You are a bad, 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 bad boy. Bad and disgusting. Leave the room this very instant. Go home. At an early age, Jerry recalled decades later, I got a taste of how it feels to be victimized.
1: Wow. Okay. I kind of kept going with that like ten minute uh, preview, and then uh, there's Audible picking a good clip for one of their books. Yeah,
0: that's that. That's pretty much the beginning. It may even be in, in the in the in the prologue. Right. But the, the part I'm interested in getting to is it's going through pretty chronologically. Is that uh, the uh, there's been an ongoing lawsuit between the creators uh, Jerry Siegel mentioned in that in that clip and Joe Shuster, the two the two creators and DC Comics. And about who exactly owns the rights to what portion of wow. of Superman? So I'm interested in sort of getting a when we get to that that late stages of the book. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that portion's covered uh, as well.
1: Yeah, because I mean they started the whole superhero, pretty much the whole superhero genre. I, I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Superman: Absolutely. The High Flying History of America's Most Enduring Hero. Larry, Tide, damn you! You just cost me uh, credit on Audible. <laughs> I'm in, all in, but you're
0: uh, not going to get the pictures if it, if it's good. And so far, it is.
2: You're going to have to get the
1: if it's Superman related and it's sold in bookstores. I eventually will buy it and end up on my true. Superman shelf
2: go. at home. Yeah. there you go. So uh, <laughs> we're going back to that audio preview. Um, when I was in second grade, I, I developed the ability to hold my breath and not just hold my breath, but squeeze until all the blood filled up my face. And, and got really red, and, and then I'd, I'd raise my head up off the desk, and I'd say, I need to go to the restroom, and they would say, go, run. And I'd go. I'd be gone 15 minutes. Nice. <laughs> little little tip from the book, guys.
1: A little tip for you kids out there. That's how you get to the restroom break.
0: <laughs> and that's what's made me the man I am today.
2: That's how I got here.
1: And you can try it audible, bookguys.ca slash audible, of course. You can try it for free. It doesn't cost a penny. And uh, let's get into the book news then. Book news. A little short episode today, folks. We're uh, full of book news, though. Professor Allen, we were talking superheroes just now and uh, looking at the Toronto Star today and uh, watching all the uh, superhero uh, costume-clad major fans of the Silver Snail which is probably the biggest comic book store in Toronto, Queen and Spadina, uh, 425 fans showed up, fans of the store, uh, for a bucket line to help actually move all the boxes of comics and product. <laughs> it's really cool. And I just That's noticed, great. I didn't notice before when I clipped the uh, article out, i got it right here. Uh, I noticed Wonder Woman, the girl in the Wonder Woman outfit, uh, helping carrying boxes. I just noticed behind her, there is a... Uh, a 1950s police box standing in front of the store as well. <laughs> it's a win-win. Yes, they're, uh, they're moving, and co-owner George Zotti has said that, I like to think we're all part of a community. We're a retail store, but people gave their time to help out. 425 people. Christ, when I, try, when I have to move, <laughs> I can't get three people to help out.
0: <laughs> I tell you, people don't uh, uh, recognize. If you've got a good local comic shop and a good owner... That is an asset. That yeah. is something to be. Because not every. not. There are some stereotypes about comic book readers and comic book owners, and the store owners, and some of those are stereotypes because they're true. So.
1: Yeah, um, you, if, you know, the, the Silver Snails.
0: You've got a good one.
1: Silver Snails is a great environment, Alan. I mean, you, you could stand there. Uh, you're reaching for a comic book, and uh, one of the other patrons will look at you and say, oh, you like uh, Doctor Who. You should check this out in the aisle four. Uh, there's another. Uh, Book there. there. I mean, uh, well,
0: I, uh oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. So the, uh, store in, in my town had their quarterly or every six month 25 cent sale. So my daughter and I were down there pawing through the bins and there were a couple other folks down there. And at, at one point sort of, we were, you know, you know working our way in the same area of bins. And we we're going to cross over, you know, each other, right. We sort of asked each other, well, what are you looking for? And Said, oh, well, I found some over here, and, you know, very helpful, very nice, uh, uh, you know, customers. It was a really good experience. And, and it, would it be inappropriate for me to say uh, those people, you know, moving the comic books, that was probably the most exercise they've gotten in... No, see, that's
1: a stereotype.
0: That's, that's not funny.
1: <laughs> All right. That is a stereotype. Because you know what? If you actually do go to the comic book stores nowadays, I mean, uh, not everybody looks like comic book guy from... Uh, Simpsons. I was going to
0: tell you, my my daughter was there, and there was another girl there too. It was amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, there's stereotypes. We have got to break those because a lot of uh, women do enjoy the the comic book genre.
0: And 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 like I said, if you've got a good store, support it. That's right.
1: And another woman who loves the uh, comic book genre and uh, you know the whole zombie thing, Emily Schultz. This is one of my upcoming books that I'm going to be reading. Uh, just in the middle of book news here, I'm going to slip this in here. Her book called The Blondes, uh, which is coming from Double Day Canada and hardcover. Uh, it's about, uh, the, again, zombie apocalypse. Gotta love the zombie apocalypse. Uh, so there's an outbreak and it only affects blondes, <laughs> blonde women, including those who've dyed their hair blonde. So you end up in a world, uh, it's kind of a parody. Uh, you end up in a world where, you know, uh, blondes are, have a separate line at the airport That kind of thing. All blondes must use this line. And uh, it's a tale of her surviving in uh, northern Ontario cottage country in survivalist mode. Uh, And she retells, she's basically telling the story of how this came about, this uh, blonde zombie apocalypse. So um, that one right away, uh, I'm in. So that'll be a future, one of my future book picks. Um, Books on film and television. I know we have a jingle. There we go. Books on film and television. Ender's Game, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite series, one of my favorite authors from North Carolina. Orson Scott right. Card's product. Right
2: here in Greensboro. That's right. Oh, really?
1: Uh, Lionsgate has confirmed that the movie will premiere in IMAX theaters as part of its November first, two 2013 release. The Studio CEO John Feldheimer is also thinking about the movie as the first of a franchise. And I was, yes, <laughs> I want to see all the books. I want to see the the Bean series. You know, I want to see Scott Brick at a cameo. He deserves it. Are you listening, Lionsgate? He deserves a cameo in this uh, series. Uh, and I'm sure that if Orson Scott Card has anything to say about it, uh, his good friend Scott Brick will be included uh, somewhere. He'll be uh, at a control panel somewhere or have a major part. I would hope. Um, yeah, this could be interesting, but tricky, tricky to bring to the stage. I mean, Ender's Game, easy to make a movie out of, but a lot of the other ones, maybe not. I'd love to see Speaker for the Dead and all, the whole Bean series as well. This would be great. Um, hopefully this movie does well in IMAX. Um, you know, I can see that in 3D, uh, you know, with all the uh, flying through space, flying through zero gravity, the zero gravity games they do in
2: Ender's Game. It uh, could be a lot of fun. Have you ever talked about Ender's Game on the show?
1: Uh, We have, yes. Uh, I think it was episode less than 10, like one of the early on episodes, we talked about Ender's Game. And uh, that was Scott Carr did do some great promos for us. I thought I was the book guy. (laughs) Yeah, uh, all
2: right. Yeah, because that's one of the best that that I've been thinking about picking up.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. You you definitely want to pick it up. I know uh, anyone I meet and I talk about Ender's Game, oh, I know that Ender's Game. Uh, We were at the, um, the Blues Festival doing the live show. And uh, we had the Carrick's on Don and Alec, and uh, their children were there. And oh yeah, they've they, they've the kids have read Ender's Game and loved it, enjoyed it. And uh, I mean, there's uh, I can't even count how many books there are in the series. I think there's like twenty at this point, and they're all great, especially the Bean series. Love it. And uh, Scott Brick reads a lot of them as well. I gotta that's say, that's
0: one of the classic sci-fi books I guess, series but really specifically well, ender's game that i haven't read it's all long been on my list maybe this is, may i this recommend motivated me to move it up
1: may i recommend Professor Allen, get the um the ender's game uh audio uh directed by gabrielle de cure starring uh so many great narrators uh for the different parts because uh, the different parts oh, okay. of the book i like that are from different perspectives of the different children and uh uh, we, when we spoke with Scott Brick, he actually said he, he was overjoyed that you know he uh, he got to do the Bean parts in the book, which is a minimal part of Ender's Game. I mean, he didn't get to be Ender, but uh, he enjoyed it because he had already read the whole series, right? He's a fan of uh, Orson Scott Card and a friend, and uh, he he just loved the fact that he was doing Bean because you know he was giddy with excitement because now I'm going to get to do the whole Bean series, <laughs> 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 you know. So, uh, yeah, and great great book, award-winning uh, audiobook. Uh, I believe one of the first real uh, multi-voice audiobooks that really nailed it. Uh, again, directed by the very talented Gabrielle de Cure, who I hope to have on soon. Gabrielle, if you're listening, give me a call. Let's, let's finally do this. Let's get you on the show. Uh, I want to hear about your recent work. You know, the last time I uh, spoke with her, she was uh, she had just, just finished up doing uh, Go the Fuck to Sleep, by Anna Man's back, So she was in the studio with Samuel Jackson, you know, and she was like, well, if you had contacted me like a day earlier, we would have had Samuel on the show. <laughs> like, oh, man, I want Samuel on the show? If anyone is going to say MF on this show, I want it to be Samuel Jackson to be the first one to, you know, say it. <laughs> Professor Allen, uh, Ender's Game, really, get on it. <laughs> I
2: got, I've, I've, I've got that on the list.
1: Sir Jimmy, you still sure. frying up uh, okra there?
2: No, everything is done. As a matter of fact, everything has been eaten already. Oh, no. (laughs) It's all been eaten. We're supposed to eat it
1: on the show.
2: Yeah, and my dog, uh, Mr. Mosley, the giant golden doodle, he is a big fan of everything fried, apparently.
1: (laughs) We'll try to scoop some out of the dog's bowl because we're going to eat it on the show. No, it's all gone,
2: but I have fond memories of every single bit. <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> We're going to cut it short this week, gentlemen, but we'll be back next week with uh, Phil Neisser, Jacob Hess, Father Robert Ballister, maybe even Brian Brushwood might uh, come in.
2: This and Maybe been- next week we can get Nobot on here to talk about the new uh, the Tim Tebow book. He's be he finished up by tomorrow.
1: Absolutely. We'll get him Good. on to give his review, and we will return again. We'll have a lot of fun. Professor Allen, thank you for joining us. Sir Jimmy, thank You're you. Welcome. Glad to. It's been Good a hoot night. as always. And join us, folks, bookguys.ca and uh, check out all our stories that we post all week long.
4: Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel.